Welcome to the Confidence Lounge podcast, where we cover all things confidence in life and business. I'm your host, Elise Conroy, and I'm on a passionate mission to help thousands of women across the world feel more confident from the inside out, because not on my watch am I ever going to watch another woman do insecure life and business again. So if you're ready to become your most confident self, mama, or businesswoman, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. So grab your favorite beverage, get nice and comfy, and get ready to receive today's confidence injection. Welcome back to the Confidence Lounge podcast. Today, inside of the lounge, get ready because we are talking about something so, so important. And this is going to be imperative that you know how to do this in order to truly feel that beautiful self-confidence. And that is advocating for yourself. So let's open this up with just a question. We're going to do some self-reflection right off the jump. And I want to ask, do you know how to advocate for yourself. If you don't, you're going to want to stay on until the end because we're going to talk so much about what you need to do to have your back at the highest level because that's truly all advocating is. It is making sure that you don't self-abandon. It's fighting for yourself. It's making sure you're doing whatever it takes to give yourself what you need. So the reason why we are going to be talking about this and why it's important to confidence is because When we don't have our own back, we're not going to be there for ourselves, right? And when we don't have that relationship with ourselves, we are going to be robbing ourselves of that beautiful self-confidence at the highest level. And I know this to be true because I used to self-abandon because I didn't know how to advocate for myself. I used to be my biggest limit and now I'm my biggest advocate. And advocating for myself feels so much better than warring against myself, which I used to be a professional at, right? I would look in the mirror and say all these awful things to myself. I was nasty to myself and I didn't know how to truly have my own back. So this is a skill that I have learned and I want to teach you how to master this too. So today we're going to take a really important step, a very valuable step towards ending that war with yourself and becoming your biggest advocate. So I'm here with every tool that you need to make that happen. So here's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to tell you a little story about the moments in my life where I stopped beating myself up, self-abandoning, and became my own biggest cheerleader. I'm going to teach you how to truly advocate for yourself even when it makes other people uncomfortable, because it will. (laughs) Nobody likes when change happens, right? They were like, what is she doing? Hold on, who is this new strong person that's standing up for herself? And then we're going to talk about how to transform your relationship with your inner mean girl, because we all have an inner mean girl too, to have a better relationship with yourself. All right, so let's dive into this. So I want to first talk you through my personal journey towards becoming my biggest and most loving advocate, because once again, it wasn't always this case. I used to really advocate for everybody else other than myself. So learning how to advocate for myself was not a skill that I had yet to learn. It's not something I was taught growing up. I really had been the type of person that let everybody else fight my battles for me. So I got really good at limiting myself and there were times I would actually talk myself out of success. So I'm going to give you some examples of how that actually showed up in my self-talk. So if things were going good in my life, I would say things like this to myself. This is too good to be true. Get ready for it to all be over. Oh, the shoe's going to drop at any minute. Get ready. Or things like it's been going too good for too long. So I'm sure something awful's coming. So obviously these thoughts made me feel like shit. It brought up a lot of fear, a lot of doubt, a lot of insecurity. I didn't have a lot of trust in myself in times of my life. I didn't have a lot of trust in other people because I had been bullied so bad. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. But 
the thing about these type of thoughts and this type of dialogue with myself is it created an immense amount of stress and anxiety because I showed up every single day bracing for impact that everything was going to blow up in my face, that everybody was going to turn on me, that things were just going to go completely wrong and I was going to fall down flat on my face again, right? So a skill that I've learned over the years is how to manage these thoughts as they come in hot because they do. We're not immune to negative thoughts coming in. We're not immune to these doubt-based, insecurity-based, fear-based thoughts. This is our brain way of trying to keep us safe, right? So I have a different relationship with these thoughts now because now I know how to see them, witness them, be compassionate towards them, plan for them to come (laughs) because they will, right? We we can't escape our humanness here. Our our shitty thoughts are still going to come. And once again, allow this planning to set me up for the ultimate success. So instead of killing my dreams with doubt and fear, I'm fueling my dreams with confidence and courage. And what I'll do is I'll actually celebrate my wins, even if it's I overcame this thought. I didn't let this thought take me out today, which forces me to really bask in the growth that I'm creating within myself and my business because I'm validating myself. I'm celebrating the fact that I didn't let these thoughts take me out in the way that they used to. I also validate myself before I ever seek it outside of myself. And this has been a profound shift. So once again, this isn't where I started, right? So where I began and how I had really self-abandoned before, it was because I had faced a lifetime of bullying. So from kindergarten all the way up through the end of high school, I was bullied every single day. And I'm not talking like girls making fun of me. I'm talking getting punched in the face. I'm talking just the nastiest of rumors going around about me. I'm talking people, you know, destroying my house all the time, like people mailboxing my house and like tagging up my house. There were so many things that happened that... I just can't imagine what it would have been like and how much worse it would have been if social media was around. So it was very hard to have a valuable relationship with myself and think that I was worthy when every single day everybody was just telling me how terrible I was or making fun of me or I was, you know, the butt of every single joke and I would walk past people and they were whispering about me. So when I was growing up, I didn't understand that... I had the opportunity to advocate for myself and stand up for myself because my mom, love her, but she was a fierce mama bear and she fought a lot of my battles for me and I love her for that. But in doing that, I never really learned how to stand up for myself. So I would just kind of wait for somebody to come save me. And then when people didn't, I would just think, right? I would just cry and cry when people would start making fun of me. And then I gave them the exact reaction that they were looking for and then they would do it more, right? So... I didn't have my own back. I didn't know how to stand up for myself because I was so afraid of the what if. What would they do to me if I actually stood up for myself? And it's crazy because towards the end of high school, I was just so done. (laughs) I was done. I just had no self-worth. I had no self-confidence. And I had no self-esteem or sense of self because once again, every single day when I went to school, I was just beat down. So I didn't know how to love myself. I didn't know how to actually, you know, use my voice and speak up for myself. And I had made friends with somebody who was a powerhouse. She was fierce. And I loved that ferocious attitude that she had every single day because nobody messed with her. She was just like, get out of my face. Like she's so bold, so unapologetic. And I aspired to be more like that, but I had no idea how. And we had gotten very, very close. And she was like, why are you always such a victim? <laughs> and I'm like, well, this is kind of only the only way I know how to be, right? I didn't know how to be any other way. And so one day 
I was crying about something and she caught me really off guard. She pushed me down on the ground and she's like, stand up for yourself. And I was like, what? And I just, of course, start crying more and more because now I feel threatened. I feel unsafe. I'm just freaking out. Like, is she going to hit me? Oh God, I'm going to get hurt. And I remember almost just going into the fetal position and she's like, stand up for yourself. And I felt this rage (laughs) start to boil inside of me. And I remember she was standing above me and it was just like that lifetime of all of those bullies voices and every ounce of, you know, hatred that I had built for myself came up in that moment. And I stood up and I was like, oh, and I just pushed her and I just told her to fuck off. You know, I was so angry because I didn't understand why she was doing that to me. I just kind of assumed, okay, here's another person who's going to turn on me. But she was actually advocating for me. For the first time in my life, somebody was showing me how to stand up for myself. And I remember like looking at her and she was like, good job. And I was like, wait, what? We're not in a fight? Like, what What was that? And I was so confused. But I remember feeling so empowered that day because, and you know, that was one of the first times I'd actually experienced what the feeling of empowerment felt like in my body. And I was so blown away that somebody had the courage to take a stand for me like that. And what that created was a bit of a monster because I then became the person that was like, okay, not on my watch. Am I ever going to let somebody get bullied again? No, I'm going to stand over everybody. I'm going to fight everybody's battles. And I became pretty much a badass. Like, get away from me. Get out of my face. You're not going to say this to this person. Like, I fought everybody else's battle for them. And that really became my way of doing for many, many years. And I loved that part of myself because it made me a very fierce leader. It made me very protective over my teams. If at any point I experienced someone, you know, living in a space of injustice or once again being bullied, I was like, no, no, not today, right? So I found a lot of confidence in protecting my people. And I advocated for so many, so many women in my life who didn't yet know how to use their voice because my friend gave me such a gift that I wanted everyone around me who didn't know yet how to use their voice to experience that same gift of somebody really standing up for them and saying, hey, you can do this. Hold on. Don't talk to her like that, right? And setting that example for them that they didn't have to sit back for one more day and not advocate for themselves and not feel disempowered and not feel afraid to use their voice and say the thing that needs to be said, right? So after years of being that badass, I really got into a space where I lost that part of myself. And I lost that part of myself on such a deep level when I started working at Estee Lauder. So I I knew going into that level of corporate environment, that level of Fortune 500 company was going to be intense. But nothing could have truly mentally prepared me for that level of intense. And I thought when I went into that environment that I would be able to face anything. Because once again, I was such a badass, right? I was like, oh, sh- get out of my way. I've got this, right? My confidence going in was at a level 10. And somebody had given me a piece of advice that really was a detriment to me. And I let this get in my head. And they told me, they were like, hey, when you start your job at Estee Lauder, don't go in at at least 10. You're going to overwhelm people. You're going to freak people out. Like you can't go in that level of ball buster when you're in that type of corporate environment. So just like kind of chill. And I so wish I wouldn't have listened to that advice because that advice disempowered me, right? So I went into it just kind of sitting back and I became such a weak link. And I became a version of myself that was eaten alive in that environment because honestly, that corporate environment felt like high school all over it again. All over again, there were mean girls, there were cliques, there was bullying. People were going out on stress leave left and right because they were getting bullied so bad, and this tore me down. 
And I found myself back to the place of being that hurt little girl on the playground, like thinking of me, little teeny me, who didn't know how to use her voice, who didn't know how to stand up for herself. And a lifetime of bully vo- those bullies' voices came back into my head and it completely took me over. So I became deeply insecure. I second guessed every single move that I made. I was full of self-doubt. I didn't speak up in meetings in the way that I knew I could have. I was doing like the bare minimum or I was people pleasing so hard because I was so worried about somebody disagreeing with me or, you know, making me look stupid in front of everybody else in a meeting. So I became this version of myself, and this was so reminiscent of what I did in high school, that was just willing to do whatever it took to fit in, that almost wanted to be invisible, right? Like maybe if they just don't see me, then I'm not going to face any bullying today, right? So when I did that, it was really self-abandoning at the highest level. And when I left Estee Lauder, I felt so lost. I felt so disconnected from myself, and I wasn't proud of who I'd become because for so many years in my career, I was so confident. And I was so committed to advocating for my teams and advocating for myself and powerfully using my voice and not being afraid of people disagreeing with me. But when I was in that level of corporate, I crumbled. I crumbled hard. And I never thought that that type of environment could take me out. But it was because I had never done the healing work to get those bullies' voices out of my head. I still had a deep wound of you know, going back to childhood and being that little girl who never healed that part of myself, who never learned how to love that part of herself. So everything just came back up to the surface. And I think for so many of us, we think that we can stuff down our pain, we can stuff down our trauma, we can stuff down the bad things that happen to us, but it will always find you. And I realized that on a very deep level because I tried to escape it for so many years. This was also a source of, and I didn't realize this at the time, but why I would drink and why I would always stay super busy because if I didn't, I was always in my head doubting myself or overthinking or feeling you know, insecure and letting those insecurities grow legs and really take me over. So when I had left, I had committed to myself that I was going to do whatever it took to really find myself at this point in my life. I didn't want to go backwards and try to be somebody that I was in the past. I just wanted to really get grounded into who I was at this point because I knew I wasn't going back to the beauty industry. I knew my corporate career was over and I wanted to figure out who I wanted to be from a place of intention as I became an entrepreneur because I didn't want to bring any of that stuff from the past with me. That baggage was heavy and it was painful and it spun me out in an instant once I let it take a hold of me. So I had committed to truly for the first time in my life, healing and healing at a level of which it wasn't just superficial healing, right? Healing myself from the inside out by losing weight or changing how I looked or, you know, whatever. I wanted to go all the way to the core. I wanted to let all the skeletons out of my closet. I wanted to choose to powerfully see the, like put the light and see the things that I was afraid of. And I wanted to face the bully's voices that had been in my head, that had fueled me to prove myself for so many years right? I had gotten to this point where I recognized the reason why I worked so hard, the reason why I was so hungry for success was because I still had all those little asshole bullies voices in my head driving me to where I had to prove to them that I was still good enough or that I was good enough at all, right? So I went on this mission and one of the most powerful experiences of my life that led me to really learning how to advocate for myself was something that happened at a women's retreat. So I went to 
it was a um, elevation leadership retreat for women. And it was the most wise women that I've ever been around in my life. I was actually the youngest person there. And there was no hiding from these wise women. They could call me out on my BS in an instant because they knew they've lived it. They've been through it. They could see when I was trying to, you know, perfect, like basically protect myself via perfection. And I had yet to ever take off my mask. I had yet to ever show anybody the imperfect side of me. I had yet to understand that vulnerability was actually a source of strength, not a weakness. So when I went into this environment, there, I want to say we're about 30 women there and my mask was ripped off on day one. I could not hide. And it was so jarring for me because I had never been seen in that level before. And I felt almost attacked in a way because I, it, it, once again, it felt like I was being bullied, right? I didn't know. I just went into victim mode because that's all I knew how to be. And so we were doing this exercise where we were looking at all different types of archetypes. So these archetypes were like the warrior, the advocate, the healer, and really trying to understand who we were as women within these type of archetypes. So I noticed when I started looking at the specific archetype, the advocate, I found myself really, really triggered. And the thing about being with these wise women is they recognized right away via my body language that something was coming up for me. And so I was journaling and they're like, Elise, we noticed, you know, it looks like something's coming up. Like, what, what are you feeling right now? And I don't know what came over me. It was just like, I felt so done. I was so done being in a place of advocating for everybody else. And for the first time, I just let that wall down and I just went hard. I was like, you know what? I am done (laughs) advocating for everybody. I have everybody else's back. Nobody else ever has my back. I stand up for everybody, blah, blah, blah. And I just lost it. And I remember people's eyes getting really big and they were like, whoa, she's like having a moment. And I was like, I'm just so done with this. And so the one of the women, she's like, I'd like you to join me up on stage. And I'm like, oh, God, what did I just do? Like, oh, Jesus, now I'm going to get embarrassed. What What is going to happen? So they bring me up on stage. And this was like very early on in the retreat. So nobody had had a meltdown yet. Nobody had any breakthroughs yet. And here I am, of course, leading the charge. And as I'm standing up on stage, I just see all these people staring at me. And I just, uh, my, just everything in me just wanted to hide, just find the nearest hole and just crawl into it and just pretend like nobody could see me. Because once again, I always had this desire to be invisible because if I thought, I thought if I couldn't, if I was in a place where people couldn't see me, then they wouldn't judge me or they wouldn't bully me or they wouldn't talk about me, whatever it was. So here I am (laughs) feeling like I'm naked in public, standing on the stage and The woman said to me, she's like, I want you to say this powerfully. And I just felt the tears starting to come. And I'm like, I don't even know what this lady's going to say, but I'm about to lose it. And oh my God, I'm so embarrassed and full of shame. And she's like, I want you to say, I advocate for myself from a place of love and wholeness. And I couldn't say it. I, I started trying to say the words and I got choked up and then I just started crying. And then I felt once again, just like I wanted to, I was like hiding my face because I'm having this meltdown in front of all these people who I don't know. And it was so vulnerable. I'd never experienced that type of raw vulnerability before in my life. And I was like, I can't say that. And she's like, yes, you can. And she's like, I, she's just kept repeating it. I advocate for myself from a place of love and wholeness. And I'm like, I can't say it. And so all of a sudden, this was such a profound moment. She walked up to me and she put both of her hands on my back. And I will never forget. It brings me to tears just thinking about it because it was such a powerful moment because I felt the warmth from her hands and I felt like, oh my God, 
this woman has my back. Like I'm safe to be witnessed in this moment. I'm safe to just be real. I'm safe to let it go. I'm safe to let it out. And I roared, I advocate for myself from a place of love and all this. And like the tears were just exploding. My energy was explosive and everybody in the room was crying. Everybody was so moved. People had chills because it was a very powerful expression of me stepping into my power from a place of confidence, from a place of safety, for one of the, you know, for I, the last time I remember doing that was when my friend pushed me down when I was in high school, right? But once again, I lost that part of myself. So it was me stepping back in to that power, to that fierceness, to that unapologetic woman who I had been for so many years. And it felt like coming home to myself. And in that moment, all of the bully's voices started to melt away and it just became Elise, me myself and I, deciding who I wanted to be from a place of empowerment and certainty and confidence and owning my energy and owning my vulnerability. And I will tell you, that moment felt like ass. It was so uncomfortable because once again, it was like being naked in public. I was being seen in a moment of my life where I was absolutely losing it and melting down. But on the other side of that, there was a rebirth that happened. I cried for maybe seven hours after that. It felt like the biggest outpouring of pain. But once again, in that space of healing, it was like all the pain started to pour out and then my wound started to beautifully heal. It was like stitched up, right? It was like, okay, we're gonna stitch this up. We're gonna let it scab over. We're going to let it fully heal. And then on the other side of that process, the most powerful me was born. The me that knew how to use her voice. The me that was like, all right, I'm stepping into this next chapter of my life, the most secure and confident I could ever be at this point, right? Because there's always room to grow. But at that point, it was like, this was the absolute most whole I could feel. My foundation was clean. It was secure. And I took action from that place as I started my business. And it was so powerful. And through this process of learning how to advocate for myself, I became my number one cheerleader, which is one of the biggest assets that I've had as an entrepreneur, because I'm a solopreneur. There is no team that I have. There's nobody who's going to come out at the end of the day and tell me that I did a good job. There's nobody who's going to come celebrate me when things go well. I had to learn how to do that for myself. And in doing that and doing it over and over, celebrating every micro movement, every micro step, every micro growth, I became my loudest cheerleader. So that way, when my inner mean girl came with my greatest hits album of horrible thoughts that I've thought my whole life of, oh, nobody wants you here. You don't belong. Nobody cares about you. Nobody wants to listen to you. They're all going to judge you. They're laughing at you. What are they thinking about me, right? Like when those type of thoughts would come in, because like I started this podcast with, they still will come. I've thought these thoughts my whole entire life. Of course, they're still going to show up. That's my normal mode of thinking. And your brain's always going to take you back to what you've done your whole life, right? This is why so many of us have a hard time rebuilding habits or starting habits from anew because our brain wants to always take us back to what's comfortable. So my brain was very comfortable thinking those thoughts, right? Because I've thought them my whole life. They felt safe. So when I started emerging into this version of myself that no longer empowered those thoughts, it took some effort and it took some concentration to say, oh, here's that thought again. Oh, I'm doubting myself again. Oh, here's that insecure thought again. And all those thoughts that wanted to take me back into hiding, 
I had to work on them one by one and I had to shine the light on them and say, hey, inner mean girl, not today. I'm choosing to take action from a place of love and wholeness. I'm choosing to advocate for myself from a place of love and wholeness, right? So we all have an inner mean girl. We all have thoughts that we've thought our whole entire life that to bring us to the place of doubt, the place of fear, the place of insecurity. And once again, our brain is trying to keep us safe. Our brain is trying to keep us safe from failure, from being judged, from being rejected. So your biggest growth opportunity is to revamp your relationship with your inner mean girl. We've got to befriend her. And we've also got to take her microphone away from having such a loud voice in your mind. So what I want to talk to you about is how to really transform this relationship with this version of you, this inner mean girl who terrorizes your brain, right, with these horrible thoughts. And what this is going to do is help you to have a better relationship overall with yourself. So when your inner mean girl comes in hot, I want you to think about how much space are you giving her in your brain? So I actually have my clients study for when we first start working together. I give them a mindset study where for five days, we look at what your brain is actually saying. So I have them study your positive thoughts, your negative thoughts, and I have them write down the reoccurring thoughts that come up because we all have this greatest hits album of crappy thoughts that our brain wants to offer us. So I want you to just start noticing every single day what your brain likes to tell you. Like, does your brain say every day, oh, you're not good enough. Oh, don't say that. They're going to make fun of you. Oh, don't ask that question. They're going to think you're dumb. Like, what does your brain actually offer you? And I want you to look at, are you being nice to yourself? Or are you your own internet troll? And if you find that you're your internet troll, I want you to actually picture what it would look like if your words that you say to yourself are in a comment box for everyone to see, for everyone to witness you saying these awful things to yourself, right? So what are these things that you say to yourself daily? And if you notice that you're spending, let's say, like picture a pie chart and 75% of your day is spent saying awful things to yourself, okay, what do you want to say to yourself instead? And I want you to picture coming up with these words as if you were fighting for your best friend. So let's say your brain offers you a thought of you're fat or you're ugly, right? Maybe it's you're fat and ugly. You're going in hard on yourself that day. I want you to picture somebody walking up off the street and saying, hey, best friend. So saying this to your best friend, right? Saying like, hey, best friend, you're fat and ugly. What would you say if somebody walked up to your best friend off the street and said, hey, you're fat and ugly? You would probably be like, bitch, what? Excuse me, you do not say that to my friend. How dare you? She's beautiful. She's got a perfect body. Who are you to say something like that? So I want you to start saying that to yourself. I want you to fight for yourself and say the positive things that you would say to your best friend, to your mom, to your sister, to your coworker, if somebody came up and insulted them off of the street. Because we can't keep insulting ourselves. We can't keep taking up our valuable mental real estate with these inner mean girl thoughts. So if you're standing in the mirror when you're getting ready in the morning and you're like, oh, you're disgusting. Okay, if someone said that to your best friend, what would you say, right? And I want you to then offer those words to yourself. Because you saying those words back to yourself when your brain offers you those shitty thoughts is how you're going to start to curate kindness and compassion. And kindness and compassion are going to disempower the judgment and the self-shaming that we do every single day.
right? Like if we look in the mirror and say, oh, you should have lost that weight. Okay, notice that your brain is saying should. Should is always going to be an indicator that we are shaming and judging ourselves. So I want you to swing back with love. Have a tennis match with your own brain. This is always what I encourage my clients to do when the crappy thoughts come. What do you want to swing back with, right? And look at love. Look at compassion. And really start to approach how you communicate with yourself through that lens. Because when you're loving on yourself and being compassionate towards yourself, you're going to start having a beautiful, more secure and confident relationship with yourself. Because you can't keep beating yourself up every day, right? And if in the case that you start to notice it's very hard for you to do, you've got to invest in getting help, whether that's therapy, whether that's coaching, because you cannot live your whole entire life worrying against yourself. It is too painful. And we as women have enough on our plates to be the ones who are being the meanest to ourselves, right? We have so many other factors from the outside world that we have to deal with. We can't be the one who is just beating the crap out of ourselves every single day. It's like, if you're doing that, no wonder why you don't feel good enough. No wonder why you're not feeling that love and that deep connection with yourself because you're sitting there beating yourself up every day. We can't have that. No more time wasted doing that, okay? All right, so what I want you to do is a couple things. First, I want you to name your inner main girl. And this is going to empower you to start having a different relationship with her. So my inner main girl, her name is Sasha. <laughs> and the reason I got to that name is because she comes in like Sasha Fierce, like Beyonce's alter ego. She comes in hot with a very loud microphone with a lot of energy and loves to tell me awful things about myself. So I named her Sasha because Sasha Fierce is not getting any more real estate, any more time, any more loudness in my brain, right? So Sasha will come in and usually she always comes in right at the moment where I'm about to do something amazing, right? So like, let's say I'm going to do a speaking engagement, right? When I walk on stage, oh, they're going to think this about you. Oh, they're going to judge you. Oh, they're going to think you're so dumb when you say this. Nobody's going to like this. Why are you even trying? right? Like all those horrible type of thoughts. And so what I do is I'm like, oh, I see you, Sasha, but not today. Nope, nope, nope. I'm going to kill this. I'm going to actually do incredible because I know exactly what I'm doing and everybody needs to hear what I have to say because it's important. And what I have to say is valuable. So bye, Sasha. Thank you for coming to keep me safe, but you are no longer needed here. I love you, but see you later. (laughs) So these are the type of things that I actually say to myself now. And what I notice is there are times where when I really put myself out there, let's say like I host a big training, I host a workshop, I do an event, I, you know, have a really powerful coaching session. Sometimes my brain will look for external validation because I've lived in my, a lot of my life seeking that external validation. So waiting for somebody else to tell me that I did a good job or that I'm good enough or that that was meaningful, whatever it might be. So I'll actually get ahead of that before my brain starts seeking that validation. So let's say I just hosted a workshop. When I hang up from my workshop, I'll sit there before I leave the room and I look at, oh my God, look at that. You did that. You helped that person see that trans or help facilitate that transformation. They got to see a new part of themselves today. They generated confidence today. Oh my God, you did such a good job. Look at you. You're living your purpose. You're such a badass. Go girl. And I'll pump myself up. And then when I leave the room, I'm like, yes, I just slayed it. And I feel so confident in myself because I know I offered myself that validation first. 
And when I first launched my business, I did not know how to do this yet. So I would wait for somebody to like put up a good comment and be like, oh, thank you, Elise. You really helped me today. Or that was really good. And I used to do this too when I would do presentations when I was working in the beauty industry. I remember going to present to Target and absolutely killing it. And then nobody on my team told me that I did a good job afterwards right away. And I was like, oh God, I messed everything up. And then when we were at dinner a couple hours later, they were like, Elise, you killed it. And I was like, oh my God, why did I even let my head get, get in my head about that, right? Like, why did I even let myself go there? I knew I did a good job. Why did I need them to tell me? So I'll actually swing back ahead of time with what I want myself to feel because so many of us wait our whole entire lives for people to tell us what we want to hear, right? But who better to tell you what you want to hear than you? You know what you want to hear. You know what's going to make you feel good. So allow yourself to give yourself those words, right? And swing back at that inner mean girl and say to yourself what you would say to your best friend. Get ahead of that. Okay, so you're going to name your inner mean girl and then you're going to swing back at her with what you would say to your best friend. Then I want you to get curious and compassionate with her. So sometimes what I'll do with my inner Sasha is I'll be like, why are you saying these things to me? Like, what is it that needs my attention and love right now? What is it that feels unsafe? Like, why are you coming at me that hard right now? You know, so I'll get curious and compassionate. And I think when we are looking at things through the lens of curiosity and compassion, what that's going to do is it's going to allow us to see what part of ourself needs tending to. And we're going to be able to see, ooh, that's an old wound that's coming back up. Okay, that's just that old thought that happened because I felt pain at this point in my life. Okay, I see it now. Or it's like maybe you still have someone like your mom in your head. She told you that you weren't good enough or that you weren't pretty or that you were overweight or that you weren't going to be successful at what you wanted to do, right? And you see that and you're like, oh, it's just her again, right? So when you get to that curiosity, it's always going to lead you to the truth, but you're not doing it from a place of judgment of like, oh, why am I still here? I should be over this by now. I shouldn't be thinking this anymore. I should should know better by this point. No, once again, watch out for the shoulds. But when you're just like, huh, that's interesting. Why are you saying these things to me? What it's going to allow you to do is to tend to the parts of you that need to feel safe and seen. And this is really inner child work at its most deep and meaningful level, is you're tending to the part of you that still might have that wound, that still has a little bit of hurt, that's still saying, ouch, I need some love right now. And I still go back to myself and I've done so many visualizations. This is the power of visualization. So I can actually see that version of myself. And a lot of times it's this version of me that was in kindergarten right when the bullying happened. And I picture myself one day that it's, this was vivid of when this happened. And a lot of kids, they were standing around me in a circle. They were all saying, ew, nobody likes you and all the things, right? And I remember myself sitting down with my arms around my knees, like tugging my knees into me so closely and tucking my head down into my knees and just crying. So I see this version of me, that little kindergarten version of me, I was maybe five years old, who's hurt and who for the first time in her life is being shamed for being this big, bold personality and for being bossy and all the things, right? And I see that that little version of me still, I need I need to love on her sometimes. And we all have this little version of ourselves that needs some tending to and needs some love because we were all hurt as women growing up. Nobody is immune to the human experience. We've all experienced pain. But so many of us stuff down that pain and we don't ever tend to it and we avoid seeing it right? And we check out so we don't have to deal with it. But when we feel that we are safe to see it and we actually intentionally tend to that part of ourselves that needs to feel safe, that needs to feel seen and give our inner child what she needs, 
oh, you're going to feel incredible about yourself. So I want you to channel these emotions, compassion, empathy, and curiosity as you do this work on yourself, as you're revamping your relationship with yourself and transforming your inner self-talk. I don't want you to tune into judgment, to shame, to self-hate, to resentment, to doubt, to fear, right? Just lead with compassion, lead with empathy, and lead with curiosity. Okay, so this exercise, once again, you're going to name your inner mean girl. You're going to swing back with her, swing back at her what you would say to to your BFF. You're going to get curious and compassionate with her, and you're going to tend to the parts of you that need to feel safe and seen. So that's the first part of this, right, is to help you transform that relationship with yourself. And now I want you to get intentional about the type of relationship that you want with yourself. So how do you want to talk to yourself every day? How do you want to talk to yourself as you look in the mirror at yourself, right? So if you right now are worrying against yourself every time you look in the mirror and saying, oh, you look old, you're ugly, you're fat, look at those wrinkles, oh my God, that cellulite, oh, that stretch mark, ew, you're disgusting. What do you want to say to yourself instead? What do you want to say to yourself when you fail? If right now you're like, oh, I'm going to be a failure forever. I'm dumb. I'm an idiot. I should have known better. I'm behind. Whatever it is that comes up for you. What do you want to say to yourself instead? When you get rejected, let's say your relationship went sour. And you're like, oh, nobody loves me. No one's ever going to love me. I'm going to be alone forever. Everybody hates me. Right? What do you want to say to yourself instead? Or when things go wrong, let's say it could be the simplest thing. You got the answer wrong and you felt dumb. Maybe you got lost on your way to work and you're like, oh, I'm such an idiot. I should have figured it out, right? Maybe you cooked a meal and it tasted terrible and you're like, oh, horrible cook. I'm just a mess. Like, what do you want to say to yourself in those little moments that go wrong? And how do you want to advocate for yourself when you're faced with adversity? So when you're judged, when you're shamed for being who you are and somebody's like, oh, you should be different to succeed. I know I've heard that a million times. Oh, Lise, you're too much. So let me try to put you in this box. So that way, you know, we can control you. No, right? So how are you going to have your own back when you are faced with that adversity? Because it's going to happen. We have to get ahead of this. As women, we have to fight for ourselves and have our own backs because we're going to be told that we're too much, that we're not good enough, that our ideas are terrible, that this is never going to work, that you're a terrible mom, that you're not a good wife, whatever it might be. So when you start to advocate for yourself, you're going to start to speak your truth and you're going to start to say, you know what? Actually, my idea was a good idea and here's why. You know what? I'm not an idiot. You know what? I'm not going to change myself because I love who I am and I'm sorry that you don't, but I love me. And you're going to start to stop. So you're going to start not spending time in rooms where you don't fit, right? You're going to stop putting yourself in that box that everyone's trying to put you in. You're going to leave relationships where you're always judged and you're shamed for being who you are. So, I want you to think about when you go into that situation and you start using your voice and you start standing up for yourself, I want you to start making space for it to be uncomfortable because it will be. People do not like when when you change, right? And I know when I went through this, I lost a lot of friends because they were like, hold on, you're standing up for yourself. Wait, you were this way. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not anymore. You either love me or hate me, you're coming with me or you're not. And a lot of them chose not to. And I had to be okay with that, right? So your growth opportunity is to learn how to deal with other people's discomfort and make it mean nothing about you, right? Because when you try to do something new and you stand up for yourself and then that judgment comes and all of a sudden you're like, oh God, they're judging me. Okay, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe actually, oh God, I'm just going to stay the same because that's easier, right? We don't want that. We want you being like, okay, I made space. At least told me that I was going to feel uncomfortable when this happened. Oh, that discomfort's here. 
oh crap. <laughs> okay, I'm still going to choose to not self-abandon. I'm still going to choose to stand by what I said and, you know, not let this person's judgment and doubt get a hold of me, right? So I want to give you a couple examples of moments where I've really advocated for myself and it was so uncomfortable. And I'm going to start with a couple things that happened in my career and then I want to share that and then I want to share something that just recently happened with me personally. So when I started my career, I went to FITM and I got my degree in cosmetic marketing and merchandising. And while I was working at FITM, I was a counter manager at Nordstrom. So I worked for Stila and then I went and worked at the Mac counter. So I was doing makeup. So when I was looking for my first jobs, I was on Craigslist at the time. It's so funny that Craigslist used to be a thing. And I found this job for a product development assistant. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to apply for this. So I applied for it. I got an interview and I got hired. So I, my goal was to transition to working in the back end of the business as opposed to doing makeup on the front end. So I wanted to actually make the products and market the products that I was applying on people's faces while I was working at the Mac and the Steely counter, right? So this was my first opportunity to do that. So when I went in for my interview and I ended up getting the job, they called me and they ended up offering me less money than I was making working at a makeup counter at Nordstrom. And I was like, uh, I don't like this. And mind you, I think I was 21 or 22. <laughs> and I was like, actually, if you if you want me, I need you to meet me at this salary because I'm not going to go work for you if I'm going to end up making less money. And they were like, okay, let us see what we can do. And I remember in that moment, the first thought that my brain offered me was, who do you think you are <laughs> to ask for more money when you're coming in as an assistant? You have no experience. But at that time, like, I, I it just came out of my mouth. I was like, no, I, this is how much money I want to make. And if you really want me, like, this is where you're going to need to meet me. And I, I admire that version of me so much who had the balls <laughs> at 21 or 22 years old to say that. And I remember the HR person being like, yeah, get it, girl. You know, and she was like, okay, you know. It just, it was such a funny experience. And so they ended up calling me back later that day and they were like, okay, we are going to meet you at that salary. And we're actually going to offer the other assistant who is coming on board with you the same amount. And I was like, look at me go. Think of if I wouldn't have advocated for myself and if I wouldn't have said, hey, I need you to pay me this and being willing to let that opportunity go, right? And just continue doing makeup and not follow my dream of being on the back end. But I knew my worth, right? I knew I was bringing something valuable to the table and I wasn't willing to settle for less. But that other assistant also wouldn't have gotten paid that higher amount. So I advocated and in doing that, both of us made more money. Both of us had a higher salary to walk into our first job in beauty in the back end of the business doing what we dreamed of doing at the amount that we wanted to make. So I loved that version of me that was like, yes, go do that, right? And you can do that right now, today. You don't ever have to settle for less than what you deserve, but you also have to be willing to hear no and feel the discomfort that comes along with hearing no. You have to be willing to walk away from an opportunity because they're not willing to meet you there. And I've always been fearless when it comes to that. I'm like, I just trust that the right opportunity that I will be compensated for what I want, you know, at what level I want. And I'm, I'm willing to walk away if they can't meet me there. No big, right? There's a million opportunities out there. I'm not going to settle for something that is less than what I want and deserve. So another way I've advocated for myself is because I've been bullied, I'm very sensitive to how people speak to me. I do not deal with harsh language. I do not deal with aggressive behavior. I do not deal with people raising their voice at me. So this was also something that I brought into my career with me because I was not going to stand for any type of bullying in the workplace. I was not going to stand for anybody yelling at me unnecessarily. And granted, like there's times where I might have like 
deserved like a voice raising. Okay. Like I push the boundaries. I'm kind of a shit when it comes to that. But there's also times where I did not deserve that type of behavior. And that was times where I really advocated for myself. So there were two particular instances that stand out for me where I really advocated for myself. And the first one was a boss that I had and she used to cuss at me all the time. And she's like, why are you being such a little bitch? And I remember in that moment being so angry and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to take this type of language. So I stood up and I was in my early twenties when I did this too. I was so ballsy when I first went into my career and, you know, I'm still super ballsy to this day, but I just look back and I'm like, damn. So I, I stood up and I was like, I, I'm not going to be spoken to this way. When you can speak to me with respect, I'll come back into the room. And I left, (laughs) I just walked out (laughs) and I was willing to be fired that day. Like, but I'm just not going to be talked to in that way. And so I remember she was so affected because she could not believe that I stood up for myself in that way. And she actually, and I I told her when I was walking out of the room, I said, my parents raised me to not be spoken to this way. So ironically, later on that night, she called me and she actually asked for my mom's phone number (laughs) so she could apologize to my mom for speaking to me that way and I was so blown away with her because what I did is I presented her with a reflection and that was a growth moment for her and she never spoke to me like that again and I had another situation happen where a man that I worked with he called me an asshole on a conference call in front of like 25 other people and I once again said I refuse to be spoken to that way you can call me back when you have respect for me and I hung up because I'm not going to allow people to speak to me that way. So I've always advocated for myself in that way. Because once again, I don't do bullying. It's not how we roll here. So another instance, and this is the personal experience that I recently went through, was when I was having my baby. So I checked into the hospital and right away I realized that I was going to need to speak very loudly to get what I wanted. And I told Mr. Soul Makeup that I needed his support for if I needed something to happen, if I wanted something to happen, if something was going wrong, that I needed him to back me. And so they went from zero to 100 so fast. They were really trying to rush me to get things moving because I was induced. And there were a lot of women who were in labor and delivery at the time. So I didn't really feel like I was a priority. And so they were rushing me to go to the next step in the induction process before I was ready. And I was like, whoa, 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 we need to slow this down. Like, I just checked into this room. You're already trying to go to the next step in the induction process. I need to get settled. I feel very overwhelmed by all of this. I need you to back up. So that was my first thing. And I had no apology. And the nurse who had come in, she was so annoyed with me. She was just like, oh my God, this girl, she's so difficult. And I'm like, yeah, I am difficult, but I'm not ready to do that yet. You don't get to rush me through my pregnancy and my birth experience. Like I'm in charge here. And so I had taken that mentality with me into the whole entire birth experience of I'm in charge. And so the next nurse that had come in, I went from like an okay nurse to a god-awful nurse and she could have given a shit about me. I felt like she wouldn't have cared if I was dead or alive. And it was so unfortunate because this was the nurse that I was paired with when things were really getting hot and heavy. So my contractions were going to a level 10. I didn't want the epidural yet. And I told her like, I need you to be here with me. I need you to make sure you're on top of me getting this pain medicine because they were giving me three rounds of pain medicine. And then after that, I was going to have to go to the epidural. So when the contractions went to a level 10, 
There were also four other women in labor at the same time as me who were at the same exact place as me. So these resources in terms of the nurses, the midwives, they were spread very thin. And I told my nurse, I was like, look, I get three rounds of this. I need you to make sure you are on top of it with the anesthesiologist who's going to be giving me my epidural to where when that pain stuff runs out, you're not out there looking for this anesthesiologist. I need you to make sure they are on deck, ready to go within this space and I had to fight for that care because they kept disappearing on me. They kept just abandoning me because they had to go deal with people, you know, who were in a farther along place or, you know, other people who needed more attention. And I get it. But at the same time, I needed to be a priority too. So I really had to advocate for myself. And it was extremely uncomfortable because there was a lot of pushback. But I did not give up on what I needed because they were uncomfortable, because they were annoyed with me. I let my voice get louder. I let my voice get stronger. And I fought for myself at the highest level to ensure that my birth experience was exactly what I wanted it to be. And while things didn't go right, while things, people dropped the ball, I never stopped fighting for myself. I never stopped being my biggest advocate in that moment. And also my husband supporting me in that. Because once again, if I wasn't doing it, nobody was going to do that for me. And I share that example specifically because we all have the opportunity to advocate for ourselves. We wait our whole entire life for somebody to throw us a life preserver, for somebody to come and save us. But you have to save yourself. You have to advocate for yourself at the highest level and have your own back. Because when you do, you're going to feel so secure. You are going to feel so self-confident because you know you've got you. You won't need people in the same way that you used to because you've got you. And I want you to experience that type of empowerment because you can absolutely, once again, as I started this conversation with today, you can learn how to do this. This is a skill. But once again, it's a skill that most of us aren't taught. So I want you to really get intentional about how you can have your own back at the highest level and all the places right now that you don't, right? Because we've got to see that too. We've got to see where we self-abandon. We've got to see where we beat ourselves up. We've got to see where we self-sabotage and get in our own way. So give yourself that gift. Give yourself that gift of really learning how to transform your relationship with yourself because this truly will be the most valuable work you can ever do. This is where we're going to start creating that inner security, that confidence, that, you know, that certainty of this is me. This is who I am. I'm not apologizing anymore for being this person. Here's what I need. And here's how I'm going to make sure I get it. That's the energy I want to see you leading with. All right, my love, go out there and advocate for yourself. And if you need support and learning how to use that voice, I've got you. Oh, hey, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If this helps you, I would love for you to share the gift of confidence with a friend because this is how we all grow. So share this with your girls, a coworker, a fellow mama, or your fam on social media because we all need support in our confidence journey. So sharing can help us heal, feel better, and take steps to grow now. Also, I'd love if you would drop your rating in. Ratings and reviews help me so much more than you realize. And if you found yourself listening today and thinking, I need professional support, I 
would love to invite you to join the CAN program where I will teach you how to take confident action now. If increased confidence is what you want, this is multiple months of dedicated you time where we will do the deep work on you to create your most confident self, both personally and professionally. Because once you know how to generate the feeling of confidence from the inside out, the possibilities become endless and your results become inevitable. This is the most valuable investment you will ever make in yourself. And I cannot wait to see who you become on the other side of doing this work on you. So visit me at soulmakeup.com to learn more or come be my bestie on Instagram. You can find me at your soul makeup. See you next time.